Well, we made it. We've made it to the end of Romans. And here we are, uh, 15, <coughs> 15, 16 weeks later, we had an intermission for the whole predestination thing, and we are ready to wrap this up. So today, in honor of wrapping up the book of Romans, you guys are teaching the class today. Surprise! <laughs> I thought you were going to say you're, you're going to have Angela read everything. <laughs> ah, all right. Wrap nice. Well, it's already it's already decided. Welcome back, right? Yeah. No, no. Uh, I think that you know, for the for the faces I'm seeing here, most of you have been here for for most of the lessons of, of Romans. So, what I'd really like to do today is kind of learn from you what you have learned from the Book of Romans uh, as we've gone through it for almost three months here, and it's open. Look, we got some wide open space here on this side of the board. What, what have you learned from the book of Romans? And then we're going to go to the other side of the board, which is maybe just as important, more important, which is how do we apply what we've learned to our lives to take with us what we've learned and, and, and use it to be better disciples of Christ. So I'm just going to open this up. What have you learned from the book of Romans? say that uh, probably the main part for me was just how much Paul loved people mm. that he would stop at nothing he would go there and talk about the tough stuff he would get right in their face about you know what they how they're what they're missing mm -hmm. you know okay um, right to the heart of the matter really with them that hey you're not getting it And, and at the same time, with a lot of grace towards yep. him, you know, it wasn't just, he wasn't just harsh all the time. He was pleading with them almost. Like, yep. Okay. I know you're trying to do good, but this is really what it's about. Okay. <clears throat> maybe in a in a different way to phrase a gentle correction, maybe. <clears throat> Boy, we've seen a difference between gentle correction in Romans and maybe more staunch correction in, in Corinthians, huh? <clears throat> what well, I think is really neat about the book in general, I don't know how this could be bulletproof, mm -hmm. but how Paul really lays out the roadmap of where things were, where they are now, how do you get okay. salvation? That's good. Yeah. Yep, that's good. The, the Definitely. Law, yeah. The law versus grace. There we go. That's good. Law versus this. This could be. <clears throat> this could be like one of the big two or three titles of the whole book. <clears throat> but the, the roadmap to salvation. Uh, that's also one of the big two or three. And I'll say roadmap to salvation for who, or whom. Everybody. Everybody. And why? Yeah. Jews and Gentiles. Why was that such a big deal for the book of Romans? Well, because I think the Jews thought it was, it was just them. Yeah. And if you go way back to Genesis, it yep. talks about that all nations will be blessed through Abraham's seed. And now, fast forward um, past the cross, um, we have been grafted in. You know, mm -hmm. We have Jewish roots. Essentially, nice. It's really hard to. Nice. I mean, nice. it seems so exclusive <clears throat> that we are. They were called God's people, 
you know, kingdom of Greece and holy nation. And now it's it's been uh, open. And it should really, I, I don't understand why it's such a big surprise. I mean, if you mm-hmm. look at, at history, you know, like, just like Jonah, he had God commanded him to go preach to the Ninevites. Yep. So, I mean, it's outside of the Jewish nation. So. Yes. <clears throat> Let's let's go ahead and, and read um, the final two chapters here, and we can continue to add to this list. Um, in fact, chapter 15 picks up right where chapter 14 leaves off. It's kind of, you know, and just so you know, when the original manuscripts were written, there were no chapters, there were no verses. There were no sentences to speak of. I mean, there was, there was sentence structure and Greek syntax, but there weren't you know, periods and, and, and punctuation and, and, and paragraphs. Um, it all kind of run together, and then as the, the manuscripts were put together into the Bible that we have today, for our sake, the editors went through and they, they kind of added these artificial chapters and headings, and sometimes you see titles in your, in your New Testament. Those weren't there. Um, so, you know, in a sense, it was all just one big treaty or treaties, and we've kind of artificially added these, but chapter 15 as it stands today kind of picks up where 14 leaves off. Who would like to read chapter 15? And let's do 1 through 22. Who'd like to do that? We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproach you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all of the peoples extol to him. And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. I would like to hear from you all why, what you take away from what you just read, and what do you notice about what you just read? scriptures, their scripture yeah. Bible, and proving to them, basically is establishing an argument that it has been written long ago concerning what is going on right now. Yep. This is a big one. It's a fulfillment. Yep. Why do you think he's doing that? What, 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 to what kinds of groups is hope a very powerful thing? Poor and oppressed. Yep. <clears throat> it's not hope. Poor. 
compressed. <coughs> yep. What is, well, keep telling me. I mean, Paul's also said, kind of reminding him, hey, don't, uh, don't favor one or another. I'm sure yep. what was going on then is what goes on today. Wealthy people are given favoritism, yep. whether it's conscious or unconscious. Yep. Yep. <coughs> and here, as we've learned from Romans, he's writing to a group of people that includes a lot of wealthy people, a lot of aristocrats, um, maybe more so than any other group he's written to in the past. Um, <clears throat> some of the places he's visited in his travels have been very poor. Judea is, is probably the poorest place at this point, which is why he's taking up a collection for them. What else? <clears throat> This is a big one last chapter. <clears throat> it seemed to be, you know, when I, when I ask, you know, who wrote it, who was it written to, and why was it written, when you see things like, you should focus on unity, you shouldn't show favoritism, you should have hope, there's been fulfillment of the scriptures, what does that imply? There's Messiah's coming. Okay. And that division exists. Yeah. There's, there's, there's band-aids being put on a wound because there's a wound, right? He's, he's talking about these things not because he just picked them randomly out of a hat. They seem to be problems that are happening right now in the Roman church. And so you can like, you know, rightly assume there is not unity. There's problems with disunity. There's problems with favoritism. There is a lot of poor people in Rome. Remember, I talked about Rome being kind of the Los Angeles, name your big city, New York City, um, Sao Paulo uh, uh, of the world, where you have a crust of wealthy aristocrats who kind of control most or all of the wealth, and you have a vast number of people who are oppressed, who are poor, who are slaves, who are workers, the everyone else. And so, you know, we, we have a lot of dichotomy there, so he's really trying to address these things, but like I heard earlier, it seems to be a gentle message here. Um, what does that imply to you if his, if, his, if his message is being gentle? It doesn't seem like he's rebuking them here. It seems like he's just kind of gently reminding them. What does that imply about his audience? <clears throat> They've heard enough of the crass, you know, you better. Okay. You know, or they're open to instruction. I think you're both right. I think you're both onto it. That when you, you know, know your audience, right? If you if you work with young people, <clears throat> you know, some children, you need to have a firmer hand. You need to to rebuke. You need to be more severe because that is something that will get through to them. You know, you you apply the the uh, the treatment based on how it will work. Some people who seem to be more receptive to the word, you can be more gentle with, or people who have heard it before and you're just kind of reminding them, keeping them you know, on the straight and narrow. It seems as though that's what's happening in the Roman church. Things are not super bad. They're not perfect. But he wants to gently say, you know, just reminding you, here's the path you should be taking. You know? and, and consider, too, that he wants to go there. And we'll talk about that in a minute here. I love how he refers to the Old Testament to, and literally says... 
this has always been the message. Yeah, this is good. <coughs> we, we, we all missed it, including yeah. me. I was uh, what? This is a good one. I'm going to add one to our, our empty column, how you can apply this. If this has always been the message, but I haven't always understood it, and I, meaning Paul, how does that help you understand how to relate to your fellow human beings? Yeah, that's it. Be real. Uh, <clears throat> not a big fan of social media. I use it because I feel it is an important tool. I feel that social media, the internet, tends to encourage people maybe to be worse than they should be to each other. Uh, or you know, to, and to appear better at the same time. That's exactly where I'm going with this. <laughs> that, you know, it's really easy for you to cultivate your perfect online persona. That persona is a lie. <clears throat> that is not how you win people to Christ. Look at my perfect life and how great I am and all the great things that I do and how awesome my children are and how wealthy I am and my new car and blah, 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 right? <clears throat> Who, how are you going to attract real people to you? Your mom. <laughs> by, by being real, yes. <laughs> I think it causes further divide. Yeah, that's it, that's it. You'll get some people to come to your side. And, and who are those people likely to be? Other shallow people. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Shallow. Shallowness attracts shallowness. I really appreciate the fact that the people in this class, I think all of you at one point or another, have shared some very sensitive, personal issues that you've struggled with in your past. That's real. That's what people can understand. Every letter that Paul writes, he is real. He never acts perfect. In fact, he's very careful to say, I am not perfect. I have made mistakes. I used to persecute Christians. I'm, I'm, worse, I, than, I'm worse than all of you. This is yeah, it. This he is goes it. To that point. And so we would say, we would call that being humble. <clears throat> Be humble. Be humble. Great. Goodness gracious, that's a great message, Maybe Lorna. If he can forgive me for some of the awful things, look, I've never drugged Christians from their homes and had them murdered. However, I've done bad things in my life. We all have done. I mean, there's definitely people out there listening to this message, maybe in this room, who have done, you know, maybe egregious things. It's a good message. So good. Just all Jewish nations. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Yep. Just to say. It's funny how, you know, people will say, the Bible isn't relevant today. <clears throat> it was written by old, crusty men 2,000 or more years ago in a different culture, a different time. They just, they were dumb, right? Because everyone in the past is dumb. All old people and all old ways are stupid. It doesn't apply to me. But what do we just learn? Everything that happened 2,000 years ago is exactly applicable to today. Now, I am not called Apollos. I don't have a Greek name. I have, right? I have an American name. <clears throat> And I, and I have a television, I drive a car, I don't have a chariot. You However, you, you could. I might like that, actually. I like that. You'd have to lose the glasses. <laughs> yeah, there it is. I'll take that, I'll take that. But I think that's the point, is that people are people. And when we all have that, that tendency to do human things, and one of them is to say, <clears throat> eh, I'm going to brush over some of the stuff that God is telling me is truth, because I don't like that message. I'll just tell you right now, Romans is a departure for me, because I have not been the kind of person to teach a class based on very controversial <clears throat> theological things. And a lot of the things I've posted when I've, when I've posted this video, like, it's really important for us to follow our leaders. It's really important for us to love our enemies. These are, these are hot-button topics. I'm not one that tends to, you know, <laughs> dive into that. I like to talk about history and archaeology and manuscripts, and this is a departure for me. But what, I, what I've come to realize is it's important. It's important for us to share truth um, because at some level people need to hear the truth and not just kind of the fluff. They need to hear real core truth. And the truth is... When you share this truth with people, you will get a bell curve of people who are willing to accept it. Like I've said before, 10% will be all in. Everything that you share with them about the Bible, even the hard parts, all, they're, they're perfectly all in. They're all good. 10% will hate your guts for it. How dare you tell me to obey my leaders? How dare you tell me to love my enemies? Screw them, right? <clears throat> How dare you tell me that, uh, you know, I'm not supposed to, to drink around people who don't drink because they might, they, it might damage their faith. I can do whatever I want, right? But then you'll get the 80% in the middle that are somewhere in the middle. But they have to hear it. They have to hear the truth. Okay, soapbox, gone. Let's go ahead and move on, and we'll finish out here. Do you want to read the rest of this? Is that okay, Angela? We'll read 14 to 22. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly, by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience, by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to, oh, I don't know, it would reek them. <laughs> I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. To the end. 22. Just 22 there. 
Okay, this is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. Okay. Illyricum. I don't know even if that's how you... I haven't looked at the Greek. Here's, here, I'm going to draw a map. Right. So it'll be a small one. <clears throat> so here's Italy. The boot. It's easy because it's a boot. And we have basically Greece, Turkey, the Holy Land, Egypt. Oh, it's terrible. But <clears throat> this is it. This is Rome. Is here. That's where the church is he's writing to. Of course, this is the Italian peninsula. Peninsula. Italy. <clears throat> here is Greece, what we call modern-day Greece, which had Athens, which is roughly there. This was called Achaia. Um, <clears throat> up here is Macedon or Macedonia, where Alexander the Great is from. Here, in what is today the Balkans, is where Illyricum is. So Illyricum. This is the modern-day countries of Serbia, Albania, places a lot of us haven't been, Montenegro. <clears throat> um, he is saying that I have gone all the way from Jerusalem, absolutely, Jerusalem. He grew up in um, Tarsus, which is up here in modern-day Turkey. He has, he has essentially, <coughs> he has essentially, He has essentially um, evangelized in a huge region, the entire east of the Roman Empire. Um, that's, a, that's a big area for a person on foot for 20 years, 30 years. Okay, what do you guys take from this next passage here? What's Paul saying there? Like, you guys got this. Yeah. <coughs> This has kind of been a reminder that you got it. You got this, girl. It's your turn. Yep. I think there's some reassurance in here of Ooh. when you when you when you see when you run into the poor and the oppressed and the broken and the ones that are blind to truth, God's reassuring like as soon as you are open to this, then you'll understand why this is so meaningful. This is so good. Why this can be impact. This is, this is something that's a good message for me, Geo. I have to admit. Truth will be passive tense, will be understood. Keep telling truth because they will understand it at some point. And people who, and the New Testament is clear, people who truly want to seek God's truth will understand it. It's like the parables. Why Jesus told parables, he was very clear. I tell parables because I want you pick on Jeremy, to want to know what I mean by it. And if you truly want to know what I mean by this parable, I will explain it to you. I will take you aside like my 12 disciples and I will explain it to you. Don't be afraid to tell truth because in the beginning what will happen when you tell truth? I just said it. Some people will be what? Hate it. Don't want to hear it. I love this, Geo. We need this reassurance. What else? This is a big one. <clears throat> this is a big one. <clears throat> because of what Jesus did in him. Yeah. Yeah. Why is this so weird? Because who is Paul? Is he a Gentile? No. 
No, sir. He is a Jew. He is a Jew of Jews. <coughs> towards, the ending of, towards, towards the end of that passage, I can just see Paul, like, I envision Paul standing in front of him, like, hey, you have a job to do. And it's to go preach this word. Nice. It's to go preach this word. This is it. Go preach the truth. Go preach <coughs> truth. So Quit relying on me right. solely. Yep. Rely on who? Well, quit relying on, on Paul. Rely on yourselves. Rely on okay. those among you. Okay. Rely on each other. Yeah. <clears throat> How important is it? You know, people go, well, I go to church, you know, on Sunday, once a week. <coughs> That's my, I, I put in my time, right? <laughs> One of the great benefits of being a Christian is you have brothers and sisters that can help you with reassurance, encouragement, Preaching the truth, relying on each other for when things get tough. And he's saying 24-7 is your church. Now, you don't have to be at a building called church 24-7. You have to be with your brothers and sisters. And how great is that? I love it here that you say we're all teachers. Because yep. I walk out of here every Sunday. I walk in here every Sunday anticipating what I'm going to learn from what everybody mm -hmm. says. Yep. Not just what you have to say yep. or what the scripture has to say, but everybody's take on it and position and history and experience, all that stuff. And I walk out here every Sunday. I mean, I have a conversation every Sunday after church about this nice. with someone. And and it's like the highlight of my week. It's like, oh, Steve Cruz said this today, or yep. you know, Roger said this today. Mm -hmm. And man, I hadn't thought of it that way. And it's just, it's I love it. I mean, it, you know, I eat it up every Sunday. That we're all contributors to this. He starts off that passage that we just read about him not wanting to boast, and he's not wanting yeah. to boast about him personally. Mm -hmm. It's personal. And I think there's a lot of temptation when you have success to start thinking that it's because I'm all that. Mm -hmm. When Paul is clear to say, I'm bragging about the success, but it's the success I've had because of Christ. That's it. That's it. I love it. A couple of weeks ago, I reached out to a guy that just moved to town, um, and he had put the, he was looking for some furniture. And I had I just switched out my kids' beds, and I had a couple twin beds. I'm like, hey, you know, have them. Um, so that's how I met him. So I I invited him. I just asked him. It was easy. You know, I didn't have any pressure. I'm like, hey, since you moved to town, have you found a church? I don't know if he's a Christian or a church goer. I have no idea, but it was an easy ask for me, mm -hmm. non-threatening. And so I made the ask. <clears throat> and uh, it was awesome because I could say, he, you know, his, his questions were, well, what, uh, what version of the Bible do you, do, does the pastor preach from? I'm like, I have no idea. James. Well, that's what he said. He said, because I grew up, he said, I grew up King James, and I said, I assure you it's not King James, but I don't know what it is. And, uh, and he's like, well, what denomination is it? And I said, we're non-denominational. I said, but here's what I loved. I said, what we are is a bunch of humble, loving people that want to make a difference in the community. That's the invite. Mm-hmm. It's not about the doctrine and the, <clears throat> you know, all that stuff. Yeah. It's about who we are and who we've become. I'm, I love it. I, yeah. 
and who we're becoming. You know, that we're not there yet. We're mm-hmm. we're getting there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's awesome. I love it. Sounds like a bunch of things you just mentioned on this side. I do appreciate Pathway for one big reason that we're not we don't have that mega church mentality, and of course we're not a huge church. Um, but I do feel like what you just said, Ken, is right. We have a lot of real people in our church who are trying to understand the Word of God and are trying to, to, to make their life better, others better, people who are not perfect, you know. Um, maybe that makes me feel better. I do appreciate that. And I think we also have a ton of adults with experience yeah. that are genuine about this and are putting our youth in position of to grow in their faith. There we go. Be church leaders. There we go. And I think sometimes we don't even we don't even see that. But like I see yep. kids like example like Joel and, and Aaron. And I the other day I asked Joel, I said, hey, because I mean just some of the things you hear this kid say is just like mind blowing. And he's so confident, you know, we're talking about scripture and he's so confident about it. He's thirsting for it, and, he's, and I was just like, it, it, it blows me away. It's cool. And um, and not only that, that only, that's not only credited to his parents, mm-hmm. but to God and, and what this church is doing. So. Isn't that awesome to see, Gio? I mean, seriously, mm-hmm. to see the fire in young people. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. And we appreciate you helping, of course, with Absolutely. with all of our programs because it's. I I feel like the youth are probably. <clears throat> One of the most important things we can focus on in a church. Um, you know, the, the saying is right. We are one generation away from extinction as Christians. Um, okay. Let's finish out Romans 15. We'll do 23 to the end, which I believe is 33. So 23 to 33. Now that there is no more place for me to work in these re- regions, and since I have been longing for many years to see you, I plan to do so when I get when I go to Spain. I hope to visit you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the saints there. For for from Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I have completed this task and have made sure that they have received this fruit, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service in Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints there so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and together with you be refreshed. The God of peace will be, will, the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Excellent. This is, the, this is the kind of section I really like because now we're getting back to the history, some planning. What is Paul's next steps? No, just what after after he writes this letter, after this, after you know his scribe is finished inking this, what happens next? He goes to Jerusalem. He goes to Jerusalem, so that's the first thing. 
So Paul is planning to go to Jerusalem. Why is he going to go to Jerusalem? At least, why does he say he's going? He's bringing a gift from the churches where he was just spent time. Gift so from the help, yep. Help the oppressed in Jerusalem. Where yeah. is he writing this from? Where is he at? He is probably in Ephesus, yeah. which is right. Right? No. Uh, I. Th- I think. Oh no, I can't remember. He's either in Corinth, which is right here, or Ephesus. I failed you as a teacher, but, but, but he's planning to return. I think he's in Corinth, um, because Chincre, which is where Phoebe is, is from here, Phoebe, and she's going to take this letter to Rome. That's a different thing, but anyway, he's going to return to Jerusalem. He's going to return to to bring a gift, which a gift means in this case, money. Um, then what? Then what is his plans anyway? He's going to go to Spain. He's going to swing by Rome on his way to Spain. Yeah. You think about how far he's been. Woo, that's like double the distance, right? Yeah. It's important here from historical perspective to realize this is a whole new world. This is the Greek-speaking East. This is the civilized, more urban, more, much more wealthy, people are educated, part of the Roman Empire. Um, this is the part that the Romans conquered or tried to conquer first. <clears throat> the West is a whole different deal. And, you know, I don't know how much of a, of a student of history you, you, you are and how much you think or care about any of this, but the West in this poor part of the uh, time period, this is, this is more lawless, it's much poorer, it's much sparser populated, there's much fewer people. And the dominant language here is Latin, <clears throat> at least to some degree. Of course, that's the official language of Rome. Spain, Spain is like the outpost, dude. This is like way out there, right? We have Gaul up here. Of course, all of this was conquered by Julius Caesar about 100 years earlier. Um, There's barbarians. There's lawlessness. A lot of the aristocrats or or, um, even some of the Caesars had uh, retirement homes or winter homes in Spain or in this, this general region. He wants to go there. He said he's finished his work here. And why does he want to go over here now? That's it. Here I'm going to spread the gospel to people who haven't heard it. I love his display of confidence and humility in the same. Like, I mean, that's what I love about Paul anyway, because he talks. Yeah. <laughs> contradictory to himself all through his letters and that's kind of how I live my life but nice. I just love his he's like you know pray for me think of me you know send me good vibes to use today's words but at the same time he's like but I'm I got this too Why does what does that confidence kind of imply to you? That's it like I don't have much confidence in myself <laughs> however I know who's sending me so well, he's been through a lot too Chivalrous. well that's kind of it <clears throat> if anyone has a reason to not be faithful about this it's Paul <laughs> right one thing different maybe in his request for prayer mm-hmm. it, it wasn't for John Cruz it wasn't requesting things it was yep. a, uh, 
it was more of a prayer and participation with the struggle and what, what he was about to go through when he's been telling That's kind of it. As we all know, and this gets at the apologetics. You know, people say, well, Christianity has always been promoted by people who have something to gain out of it, power, money, wealth. What did Paul gain from his evangelism? Death. Stoning. <laughs> Quick. Yeah. Stoning. What? Souls. Yeah. Good. His earthly rewards were few and far between. Imprisonment, stoning, persecution, torture. Eventually, we think he was murdered. What did he gain? He gained... He gained non-material things out of this. He gained faith. He gained souls. He helped win people to Christ, right? That's the reward for Paul. Say it again. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Very much. I think it's a... Uh, just an encouragement for us, you know, when we, we think our life is tough, you know, yeah. and God calls us to be faithful even unto death, regardless of what's happening on the outside, because God has us on the other side. And it may hurt for a little while, but then the eternal reward is it just far outweighs whatever life can throw us. Nice. nice. The, the, his writings are the basis of our evangelism, yeah. still. Mm -hmm. This is it. <laughs> some years, probably three decades, by an order of magnitude more than Jesus' ministry. I, I like what Angela said about he had his eyes on something different. Yeah. You know, I run with endurance the race said before me. He was, he was, he was going somewhere different than I've ever been. You know, he was focused. I'm worried about, you know, my next job and yep. how my kids are doing this week and why, you know, what I'm going to eat for lunch. Yep. You know, and he was, man, he had his eyes on. But I suppose an encounter with Jesus would do that. This is a great message, and today it's very easy for us to say, well, we live in a, in a very wealthy society. Um, I just want to have a nice house. I want to have a nice car. I want to just have st a stable life. You know, <clears throat> Paul gave all of that up. And even in his time, that was a possibility for him. He could have just stayed home and continued to persecute Christians and, and been a great Jew and, and, you know, probably lived a very padded life, material life. He kept his eyes on the spiritual goals and 
this is a conviction for me is to say, what if I, you know, what if God said, give it all up, you're going to Zimbabwe, or, you know, name, you know, name your place. Maybe you're going to Des Moines, but you're not going to keep doing the things you're doing now. It would be hard for me because I get so used to the comfort of the material world. That's exactly what. What am I going to do when I retire? That's exactly it, Angela. That's exactly. It. I don't see anything in scriptures anywhere about retirement. Well, <laughs> there's a permanent retirement, <laughs> right? Right. But no, no, reach 65, take it easy kind of retirement. Yeah, you live that long. <laughs> <laughs> I shot that one down again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll stand up for my brother here. I'll say, you're right. Where does it say in here you're going to be? This is this is a really good point, actually. Where does it say in there that you're going to be materially comfort, comforted? Where does it say don't just work for a few years and then you can just take it easy and the state will support you? I don't see that. But I think our our rest lies in Christ. And yeah. Paul wrote about this too. I don't know what book he wrote in, but he said that I have known to have much. I have known what it's like to have little, but I've learned the secret of contentment. Yeah. Being content with what we have and where we are, and that focus that he had on spiritual <coughs> things—it it didn't matter what was going on, on the outside. Yeah. I wish I could, I could learn that secret yeah. of being content. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite, favorite lines from an Eagles song says, "You can spend all your time making money, and you can spend all your money making time." Yeah. <coughs> you know, we spend this time mm -hmm. trying to make money. And then yep. later in life, we're going to spend money on prescription meds and yep. you know, trying to buy back all right. that time that we lost. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Take it to the limit. Right. Every time. <laughs> That's the name of the song. Nice. One more time. Take it to the limit. One more time. <coughs> Let's finish out Romans. You know, um, the... the final chapter is really kind of just a list of thank yous and, and some interesting comments. Um, let's finish it out so that we can say we've read it. Um, who would like to read the entire thing? Now there's a few words in here that are maybe a little crazy. You can just kind of take your best guess. Don't go for it. So I commend you our sister Phoebe, who is a deacon in the church of Centuria. Welcome her in the Lord as one who is worthy of honor among God's people. Help her in whatever she needs, for she has been helpful to many, especially to me. I guess I'd point out, as I, before I go any further, you know, he starts that off with acknowledging a female that's a leader in the church. And both of those things combined are very rare. You know, very patriarchal society. Yes. Women Thank don't. You. Women don't do anything. I was going to talk about that actually. Here's Thank Paul you. saying, "Hey, recognize Phoebe. She's been doing a great work. She's a deacon." Oh. Anyway. Very good. Yeah. There's a few more of those in here. So. Uh, give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Christ Jesus. In fact, they once risked their lives for me. I'm thankful to them, and so are all the Gentile churches. Also, give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. Greet my dear friend, Epenetus. He was the first person from the province of Asia to become a follower of Christ. Give my greetings to Mary, who has worked so hard for your benefit. <coughs> Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews, who were in prison with me. They are highly respected among the apostles and became followers of Christ before I did. 
Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachys. Greet Apelles, a good man from whom Christ approves, and give my greetings to the believers from the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet the Lord's people from the household of Narcissus. Give my greetings to Tryphania and Tryphosa, the Lord's workers, and to dear Persis, who has worked so hard for me for the Lord. Greet Rufus, whom the Lord picked out to be his very own, and also his dear mother, who has been a mother to me. Give my greetings to Asyncretitis, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermes, and brothers and, and the brothers and sisters who meet with them. Give my greetings to Philogelus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and to Olympus and all the believers who meet with them. Greet each other with a sacred kiss. All the churches of Christ send you their greetings. And now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters. Watch out for, <clears throat> for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what have been taught. Stay away from them. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They are serving their own personal interests. By smooth talk and glowing words, they deceive innocent people. But everyone knows that you are obedient to the Lord. This makes me very happy. I want you to be wise in doing right and to stay innocent in any, of any wrong. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, sends you his greetings, as do Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my fellow Jews. I, Tertius, the one writing this letter for Paul, send my greetings too as one of the Lord's followers. Gaius says hello to you. He is my host and also serves as host to the whole church. Erastus, the city treasurer, sends you his greetings, as so does our brother Cordus. Now all the glory to God, who is able to make you strong, just as my good news says. This message about Jesus Christ has revealed his plan for you Gentiles, a plan kept secret from the beginning of time. But now as the prophets foretold and as the eternal God has commanded, this measure is made known to all Gentiles everywhere, so that they too might believe and obey him. All glory to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Excellent. Thank you, Steve. Just a few, uh, Maximus, uh, just a few notes here. Um, first of all, yes, you bring up a good point. Phoebe is called uh, diakonos. Basically, this is the same word that's used interchangeably with a servant. A minister, one who ministers to someone to help them, or a deacon, which implies a more um, leadership role in the church. We're not sure. She may have been a leader in the church. Certainly, you can make the argument anyone who's working in the church is a leader. Yes. <clears throat> I don't have to have a big, you know, medal around my neck. Um, it helps. It does help. And it's important for organization, of course. I'll take a crown. Almost. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <coughs> what? <laughs> Let's look at this other piece, um, Priscilla or Priscilla and Aquila. <clears throat> Mentioned six times in the New Testament, three times, including this one, the woman is named first. Three times the man is named first. 
<coughs> that's significant. This, remember, we're talking about a period where, as enlightened as people thought they were, women still occupied a very low rung on the social ladder. <coughs> Do you think there was a sense of the men were out working on their 401ks, and the women had to do a lot of the work in the church because of that? I mean, well, they, they there's something to say that a man would be the, the, the provider, right? The man would be the one out making the money. Yeah. Maybe more accepting to the message because of their tenderness and their mm -hmm. you know, ability to love at a, maybe a deeper level than the men back then. I won't, I won't make all of that kind of assumption, but I'll say women are 50% of our population. They're 50% of the effort. They're 50% of the church. Yeah. I love this guy. Biology. <laughs> Biology. <coughs> My Bible has a footnote about Priscilla and Aquila. Let's hear it. It says they were a married couple who had become Paul's close friends. They, along with all other Jews, had been expelled from Rome by the emperor and had moved to Corinth. There they had met Paul and invited him to live with them. They were Christians before they met Paul and probably told him much about the Roman church. Like Paul, Priscilla, and Aquila were missionaries. They helped believers in Ephesus and Rome where they were allowed to return, when they were allowed to return, and again in Ephesus. Nice. Nice. Probably helped train Apollos. Probably living in Rome at this period. What? Uh, thank you for that, Steve. Um, <clears throat> when they say... Okay, uh, this is an interesting one, too. <clears throat> She, so that when talking about Phoebe, this is verse 2, for she has been a great help to many people. That Greek word, prostasis, means a female patron. She has been a person who is a female who has fronted money and resources for someone to do something. This suggests that she is a woman of power, that she has influence, and that she ha she's a leader. I mean, there's no other way to say this here, that she has been a great help to them. <clears throat> Holy kiss, greet them with a holy kiss. What does that mean? Well, if you know, you know more than us. No, no one's really sure what this was. Obviously, it's probably not something, you know, uh, intimate. Um, probably something that kind of, you know, greetings, uh, of course, uh, different cultures are different. This was some kind of kiss that signified you were a fellow brother or sister in Christ. <clears throat> I know in the Middle East, they, I mean, working with the, the host nation, um, over time, up to about four or five months, we would greet each other. I'd go mm -hmm. visit my counterpart, and we would greet each other with a kiss, just on the cheeks. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, but you get used for to us. It. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's not sexual or right. inappropriate, or it's just a, it's a greeting. Yeah, that's all it is. Like we mm -hmm. shake hands. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. That's how I. Talk. Now this may have been on the mouth. Uh, early Christian writers kind of intimate that. But again, not a sexual thing. Um, when he says my relatives, he is in fact talking about his fellow Jews. And he says that several times. He also says, of the household of. Whenever he says that, who is he referring to? Church, men, men nope. House. Mm -mm. Who, nope. This is a specific group of people in the Roman Empire. I talk about Ken, but if I talk about the household of Ken, who am I talking about? His whole family. Hmm? Not his family. No. 
It could be. It could be his family, but many times it meant the slaves that work for that person. <clears throat> so when you say the household, it usually means the servants. And the households of Narcissus and Aristobulus, where servants are mentioned, some people think these are the, you know, there's some famous people of history. Aristobulus, who may have been a great or just a grandson of Herod the Great. Narcissus, um, another uh, very important um, Roman of history related to kind of um, Claudius and Nero. They may have, what he's intimating here is that the fire of Christianity may already be springing up within the leadership of Rome itself, within the aristocracy, the people who are actually running Rome. Uh, that's a very significant turn of events. Um, and then, of course, we'll talk about the big one of all, uh, verse 22, I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter. So <clears throat> Paul didn't write this in his own hand. It's admittedly so. Tertius did this. Why would Paul have a scribe write this down? Say it out loud. Um, the, the thorn, they think he had something off his eyes. I think he wrote really big. That's you got the it. historical um, thing. That I've heard. I don't know. No, it is in the New Testament. <clears throat> Paul, in the end of one of his letters, writes the ending of the letter, and he says, I am now writing this. Paul, notice my big letters that I write to you. It is thought that he was basically blind, and that may have been his, his thorn. We don't know. But it was very common in antiquity to have a scribe actually write your letter. You would dictate it, and the scribe would write it, even if you, you could see. So don't take that to mean that Tertius wrote Romans. Tertius may have physically written the letters and words of Romans. He did not compose Romans. Okay, this has been a great study. Any final thoughts? Yeah, I think just that last section there, he's, he's just pointing out the leaders. Yep. He's like, here's your people. Yep. You know, we're about to go out here. There's tables set up, but yep. you know, these are the different ministries and the different leaders in the church. And not just that he's listing them, why would, he, why would he even say their names? Just so that we didn't know who they are. So those people would recognize yeah. who to go to. Yeah. It's easy to not read this chapter. Yes. You start reading it, but then you start thinking, there's a reason why it's in it. Yes. There's a reason why he's honored these yep. people by including them in this. Yep. So I think we would therefore be, it would be good for us to read that. Read all the Bible. Excellent, sir. Excellent. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week.